welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some stories are profound, challenging, and even emotional, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. All of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team, and we are so glad that you've tuned in to listen. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. Today, we'll hear from Mary, who lost her husband to a plane crash. But this story is not just about overcoming grief. Mary has transitioned from being a stay-at-home mom of two girls to being a CEO of her husband's construction company. Now, mind you, she had no experience or expertise in this field whatsoever before God led her into this position. But if you are in a situation where you feel like the odds are stacked against you, I want you to listen to this story. And I want you to see how when you submit your plans and your decisions to God and you allow Him to guide you, that He can lead you to success. He can allow you to be capable of things you never dreamed possible. Here's Mary. You know, we'll see, God, where you take this conversation today. Um, I spent a lot of time pouring my heart into what's on this paper for a speech that uh, I gave or a luncheon that I spoke at. So I'm going to probably read from a lot of that because it it was a a lot of um, effort and heart and tears that went into this. So I'll probably just read a lot of, of what was here. But... Um, When I sit in a room like this, two things really strike me. Um, The first is this amazing community of women that come together and support each other. I sat right there and watched Sarah Beth um, give her testimony and just sobbed. And now Sarah Beth and I have this regular um, conversation. So... Um, the way God weaves people into our lives and moments like this where he uses us to minister to other women is so powerful. Um, and it reminds me, too, of um, when uh, two days or three days after John died, Emily Lassiter was on my front porch, you know, or my side porch. And ministering to me and I was able to look at her and I could see her and she was still standing and she was alive and she was functioning and I knew that I could go on because I looked at her so I hope that um as I speak today people look and see God working through me that he has given me what everything I've needed to not just um survive and make it through a difficult thing but to thrive And I just think about that verse, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. And that is exactly what he's done for me. So a wonderful community here. Um, God uses us in profound ways, and you may not even know a way that you have um, impacted another woman um, until years later. I mean, I still think about... It took me two years to process some of the things that happened a day or two after John died. So um, you never know what leaning in and showing up on somebody's porch or at their front door will do, or the email that you send or the text you send that comes back to them. 
a year and a half later. The other thing I wanted that I was thinking about this morning was um, just how much I've learned to rest in God's perfect timing. Um, he has brought me into a season of sharing my story. And a year ago, I, I would have never dreamed I could have done something like this. I was trying to, um, I was talking with Dawn to write just a short narrative for second stories, and I couldn't get four words on my page. So it's been amazing to just rest and watch how God has moved and drawn me out of that, um, that, that difficult first year just slowly but surely has brought me to a place where he says, now it's time to share. So I will give you the words and I will give you the opportunity. You just have to step out and trust me. So uh, I've always pushed. I've never really waited on the Lord. Um, and so now I just feel like that's such a beautiful thing that I wanted to share. Let me get a sip of water. Do you, um, all this talking makes me. My mouth's so dry. So um, that's just been another beautiful thing. And then one more thing. I just see how my friend Laura DeFada would say, the Lord goes before you, Mary. And I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, she keeps saying the Lord goes before us. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. You know, that, that makes me feel good. But what does that look like in my life? And just in the past few months, I started thinking about how the Lord has gone before me. When I had Mary, Evelyn was six months old, um, my friend Reba said, have you gotten her signed up at Covenant Day School yet? That's premium. You've got to get her there. And I was like, what? I was like, I haven't thought about Mother's Day out. She goes, you need to go right now. There's a waiting list. I ran the next day, talked to Jamie Bennett. I said, get me on that list, Jamie. I've got to have, you know, Mary Evelyn here. And... John died the second day of kindergarten when Mary Evelyn was in kindergarten at Covenant. And those these friendships that the Lord went before and established have been the most meaningful um, gifts to me. The girls that um, Mary Evelyn was in two-year-old preschool with, their moms have become my closest friends now. And they've poured into me and the neighborhood that we moved into three years ago. The neighborhood is there with me. So God has really gone before me. And then here I am, blessed to be sitting in this beautiful home just a few streets over from um, where we live. So God really does go before us, and he starts to show us what he's doing and how he's moving. I think he begins to reveal that to us. So I'll, I'll go back and... Um, tell you a little bit about my story, the hard part, and then I want to tell you three things that I have learned over the past couple of years. Um, my story began about two years ago, um, or that's what has led me here to be, to share, but going back beyond that, I grew up under just the most wonderful influence of a very godly grandmother and mother who prayed all the time. I remember Sarah Beth saying she had um, handwritten scripture that her mom had given to her, and she pulled that out and used that um, and, and referred to, to God's word. 
And I, I can say the same thing. I have handwritten scripture from my grandmother. And um, Nana prayed for us all the time. And one of her prayers was that I would marry someone who had a family business. That was real important to her. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what, you know, whatever. But Nana had like this direct line to Jesus. And, um, and sure enough, I married a man who worked for his father's construction business. And so I met John in 2006 or seven, and um, he was working for his dad's construction company. He was flying all over the country, um, learning the business from his dad and other executives in the airplane, and then learning the nuts and bolts on the ground. And um, it was such a fun time uh, to, to get married because it was just the economy was booming. The building was everywhere. It was just so exciting. And um, we had two daughters in the years uh, following our marriage. And um, then, you know, life took a twist that I w- was not expecting. So late, uh, late August 2015, John... Um, called me to say he was going to do some touch-and-go plane maneuvers. And I said, that's great. Go have fun. I'll have dinner in the oven for you, and I'll see you when you get home. Well, it it was getting dark, and John wasn't home. I started calling his cell phone, and I couldn't get him. And I didn't have the tail number, so I couldn't look look up his plane on FlightAware. So I go to the computer, and I Google Shelby County Airport. And the first thing that popped up was a picture of an airplane on fire. And so I, I knew that was John's plane. And it, it said it was an SR-22. I knew that was what John was flying. Um, so that moment in time, if you were to freeze it, my life can be separated in two, then at that point, separates two um, prior to tragedy and now my life after. I had never lost anyone close to me. No, I mean... I had lost my grandparents, or my grandfathers, but that, that was it. I mean, we didn't even use the word dead in our house. I mean, when a bird died, I was like, well, he's on the other side of the rainbow bridge. You know, I couldn't even bring myself to use that, that word. And, um, but so now I'm standing here facing death in this just long moment of putting it all together and your legs are, my legs are weak. My heart is hurting. It's, it, it's burning. It was burning. This just horrible pain. And um, so I began to go through the motions of who do I call first? Uh, I, I didn't want to call John's parents or my parents until I knew for sure it was John. I did not want the police to show up at my house. So I start making the phone calls and getting out ahead of it. And, um, and I did. And I had some pilot friends who were able to get some information to me quickly. And um, I made, uh, started making the phone calls. And um, we, I remember telling John's parents. I remember telling my daughters in the morning. And just like Sarah Beth said, they slept all through the night. And there were people in and out of the house. The pastors were there. Uh, Laura was following me around, praying for me, taking the wine away, praying for me, um, and just covering me in prayer. And I said, please pray that my heart will not stop beating. That was my prayer the whole night. Please pray my heart will not stop beating. And then that prayer evolved over time, um, over the next couple of days, that 
this, that pain would not be wasted. That was my prayer. God, don't let this pain, this grief, this sorrow be wasted. So today I see God answering that prayer and being able to share his goodness with y'all. It has not been wasted. Um, And for that, I am so, so grateful. Um, So we, we did all, we made it through a very tough time and um, had dear friends who just poured into us, Covenant Day School and Briarwood, all just leaned in and took care of us. Um, So my life kind of before consisted of going to body jam every day. I loved my body jam class. I cooked all the time. I took the dogs on runs around the neighborhood. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I was loving every minute of it. That was what I had really always seen myself doing and what I really wanted to do. So then in a, uh, you flip the switch, and I own a construction company, you know, and I don't ever have time to cook, and I barely have time to exercise. But I've seen how God has just filled in the gaps. I have a um, great network of friends and babysitters and um, have great nourished meals delivered to my house. And I just actually ordered this ridiculously fancy bike to put in the corner of my bedroom so I can start exercising at home um, so that I can get back into that. Um, so I've seen how God has, even though it's been such a stark contrast and change in my life, there's been good that's come from it, and He has provided and, and filled in the gaps for us. So um, that's just kind of a snapshot of where we were and where I am now. Um, and then I want to read this quote that's, and this kind of frames everything I'm about to say, and it's by a man who wrote a great book called Wisdom, Life's Great Treasure, and he said, Richard Simmons III, he said, in the midst of the storms of life, we either allow what we are experiencing to influence our view of God, or we allow our view of God to influence what we are experiencing. So all of those prayers, growing up in a wonderful, godly home, um, all that foundation that I had to fall back on, my view of God, that is what has influenced um, all that I've gone experienced. So that's the hard part, but let's talk about God's goodness that he has poured out over me and the girls in the past couple of years. Um, One thing that a lot of people who know me well know one of my favorite words is capable You are capable, and God has made me capable. And I have seen that um, manifest manifest itself in unbelievable ways in my life. I think it's very important to—we have to choose. We have to make choices all the time, and they take us down different paths. But we must choose to be resilient, choose to be optimistic, choose to fight fear and anxiety— choose to be strong, to fight, to be brave. But when our faith is in Jesus Christ, that's, it's easiest, easier for us to choose. You know, we can, we can go there because we know where, our, where we're going, what our, where our eternal home is. 
So it makes it easier to choose um, optimism and resiliency, I think. Um, but it's still, you have to work at it. I have often, over the years, heard of, you know, just terrible tragedy and loss. And I would wonder how that person could ever make it through something like that. And I would put myself in their shoes of, how are they going to how are they going to bury that person? How do they clean out their closet? How, I mean, it would just wreck me for days. I would sit there and process and try to figure out how they would survive. And um, that's part of the reason that I have chosen to grieve more openly is because I wanted people to see God's power made perfect in, in our weakness. So I didn't want to, for people, when I heard sad things, and I never knew what happened to them, and I'd always wonder, well, I wanted people to know that we were going to be okay and that we are okay. So I've really made it a point um, to to grieve more openly um, for that reason. Um, but what another, I feel like I'm jumping around a whole lot today, but... There's another great quote um, by a man who wrote a book called Make Your Bed and Admiral McRaven, and he says, if you want to change the world, be your very best in the darkest moments. And that's what I've been trying to do, too. Be my very best in the darkest moments. I've let people in to see the highs and celebrate them with me and then also see the lows and walk through those with me. Um, But the whole time pointing to Jesus Christ is the one who has carried me and lifted us through this. Um, so he, he made us, he's enabled me to be capable to, to um, adjust to a new way of living. But in addition to that, the other layer was having a construction company. So I have been a stay-at-home mom, and I was a teacher before that. And now I have a construction company. <laughs> and I was um, really struggled for a long time for the first six months on, on what to do uh, with that, with this company. So here I am in a male-dominated industry that I don't know anything about. It's an extremely risky industry. And so you would have thought I would have felt great ease in closing down the company but it was just the opposite I felt unsettled every time I thought about closing the doors to, to the construction company so I prayed Lord this is yours you show us show us what to do I'm going to finish out these projects that John had started one was a huge hotel in five points and the other was a church and I said let me finish these out in the meantime, God, you you guide and direct my steps. So all of the projects were coming to a nice and tidy close, which never happens in construction where everything finishes the same time. But it did, and I had the perfect opportunity to close the business. But I decided I did not want to. I felt like um, God had called me to a place to to keep it open. And so I said, you have to equip me. You have to give me what I need to be successful in this venture. And that's what he's done. Even though I have felt extremely inadequate, um, unprepared, I lack so much. When I step into a room full of men or I walk on a job site, 
God shows up and gives me what I need. It's sometimes almost like I think, am I being reckless in how much I'm trusting the Lord to, <laughs> to do this? Because, but, and I even had to talk it over with my counselor. I'm like, I mean, is this what, I mean, is this okay? Is this too much trust? But that's what the world wants us to think. Take it back in your hands. Micromanage it. Spend every night re- pouring over it. But that's not where I where I believe the Lord has me. I've got this amazing team who is super qualified. They can do all the hard part. I'm just keeping the doors open and meeting people. And I believe God will show me what I need to know. If there's something I need to know, he will reveal it. And in the meantime, I trust him to equip me and grow me into this position. I've I've tossed and turned and thought, what could I have done better or to be better prepared for this position? You know, should I have been a business major? How should I raise my daughters? Should I raise them to be able to step into a role like this better than I have? And I'm like, no, no, no. This is God. God took me down this path. He's provided for me. He's equipping me to be successful. I hold it in with open hands. So we can do everything we think is right. But ultimately, it's God who determines the outcome. He's going to um, take us and lead us where he wants us to be. So um, I pray every day that the Lord will establish the work of my hands. That's my prayer, and he has done that. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other, one of the other themes I wanted to share with you is, um, so we are, let me finish that one, though. We run the race. We don't give up. We are capable. We don't know what the obstacles are that are in front of us. But we know where the finish line is and what lies beyond that finish line. So that's where our hope is ultimately. Okay, so the second theme and the big one, I've let go of the whys. I have labored and wrestled with why this has happened, why me, why my girls. Um, And I have stopped. I have freed myself from that question. I have completely stopped asking why. It's not my job to try to figure out what God's plan is for me. That's just not even anywhere close to my job description. He says in Isaiah, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when I get lost in trying to understand, figure it out, figure out God, I literally begin losing myself to that that fear and anxiousness, and it takes root. So I am wasting precious time and energy when I stare too hard at the past, trying to figure out the present. So I think it's best to replace wise, wins, hows with now. So my old way of thinking, I would say, why did this happen to me? How am I going to handle life alone? How can I be a mother and a father? When will I have time for myself? And what if I'm not enough? Those are many of the questions I've wrestled with. But all of those questions center around me. So I've started reframing the questions. We live in a fallen world where death and disease is something we will all face. And I am no exception. I've experienced great loss. But now I will choose to enjoy my time alive. Now I will watch and see what good the Lord will bring out of this. 
He will sustain me and give me just what I need in the present, in the now. He promises to be a father to the fatherless and a protector of the widow. He will fill in the gaps for me, and he is doing that now. I like, that's the other thing I say all the time. He Fill in the gaps, Lord. Um, and I, I do. I pray that all the time. Fill in the gaps when I can't be in the office for what I don't know as I strive to learn a new industry. Fill in the gaps in the absence of an earthly father. So I'll see that when... Um, a friend's dad hangs a swing in the backyard for us. You know, he provides. There are many mornings when I wake up and I think, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, what is happening right now? What am I doing? Um, but the answer is simple. I am living. I put both feet on the floor. I stand in his promises, and I'm going to live out my faith. I may not understand it all. And I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I do know that I serve a powerful God who is moving in my life and the lives of my girls. This is something that is very special to me. I believe an extraordinary gift that comes out of grief is the awareness of the present. And while initially the present may feel unbearable because of really acute pain and sorrow, as time pers- passes and you kind of get further out from it, you have this unique perspective of the present, and that becomes your most precious gift. It changes who you are entirely, how we spend our time, what is most important to us, what really matters, what we want our purpose and eternal footprint to be. We decide now to enjoy our time alive and not waste it on trivial matters, though it is it takes a lot of effort not to go back to that place. So out of grief comes a gift of the present. And the third and last thing I wanted to share with you is just the importance of gratitude. Sarah Beth mentioned this too. She handed out that um, little postcard that said, gratitude, gratitude turns what we have into enough. And I just love that. When we are grateful, bitterness has no room to take root. I remember right after uh, those first weeks and months after John died, when it was especially, especially hard, the girls and I would pray in the car on the way to school. And I would say, okay, Lord, show us signs of your goodness today. Show us signs of your goodness. And then give us eyes to see it, hearts to receive it. And... um, ears to hear the, the truth and the, and the encouragement. And then we would be on the lookout for the simplest of gifts. And those could, could be things like a sunny day or a really beautiful flower in the garden or a hummingbird at the feeder or someone just making us belly laugh. We found things to be thankful for all the time and made it a habit. So I think that's been a big um, influencer in, in, in this process of grief is finding gratitude um, in the midst of it. So one of my friends, Suzanne, said, I am declaring 2017 the year of jubilation for the Wyatt girls. And she said, start a jar. It's going to be your jubilation jar and put good every little good thing to celebrate into the, into the jar. And that's what we've done. So now my mason jar is packed full of sticky notes. And in a few months, we'll open them and then we'll read them and be reminded of God's goodness for us throughout the year. A wonderful counselor that I see um, has encouraged me to 
sorrow what has been lost, but attach my mind to beautiful things. And so that's what I've started to do. I've acknowledged the sorrow, but then <coughs> I, I move my thoughts to a positive place and attach them to beautiful things. And he, God says that in, in Philippians, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, where there's excellence, worth, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So it is really imperative that we focus on the good and be positive and optimistic, and that in turn produces gratitude. And then the verse just before that also reminds us to be thankful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So now we've got peace mixed in with gratitude, and it's just a beautiful um, combination. So that peace that surpasses all understanding is something that when I saw other people experiencing or or heard about them going through a a terrible tragedy, that's the part I did not get was the peace part. And that's what God does. He shows up and just covers you in this, this profound, unexplainable peace. And that's what gets you through it. And so um, now I understand that. Now I understand that peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, So there are certainly times where it takes a lot more effort to be thankful. But if we continue to try, we focus on the good in our lives, gratitude will follow suit, and the peace of God will be felt. So I guess today, you know, I think a lot of us in this room have experienced grief. It may not be the loss of a spouse, but it could be the loss of a child or a job or grieving a marriage. That's not what it used to be. Um, We live in a very broken and fallen world, and I have never been more aware of that than um, this time in my life. But for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we know and long for so much more. And we know he will equip us to walk this road. We all just need to cry out his name. That's all we do. And he will equip us to walk this road. So the friends who are in this room that have come alongside another friend who is grieving in some way, um, God is using you in the most profound ways too. Um, He is giving you the strength and fortitude to be the hands and feet of Christ here on earth. And your prayers are so meaningful and cherished for your loved ones and friends. The interceding prayers of believers moves mountains. So continue to live in the moment, completely present and aware of this beautiful time alive. And be sure to ask yourself, what are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to spend it? What will your eternal footprint be? Um, So I guess that's really how I want to... And um, just sharing a little bit about our story. And then there are any comments or questions. Yeah, we're just going to do a few minutes of questions. Um, if y'all have anything, Mary has very graciously said she'll answer. I don't know. Any questions? <laughs> I was all over the board today. I got on my fancy spin bike this morning at 440. <laughs> And after eating Tecate last night, that was not a good combo. 
but so I'm a little bit like Lala over here, but I hope some of that made a little bit of sense. Anybody have any anything you want to know? Anything she didn't cover or anything that she did? And is your Nana still alive? No, Nana died a few months after John died. So, she, so she, did she know? I that yeah, I had. She knew it was mine. Okay. And that was probably one of the hardest, besides telling John's parents and my parents and girls, but telling Nana because Nana just lo- loved John. And I knew Nana would not live much longer after we told her that. Um, and she was ready to go anyway. But I miss her so much because she was my prayer warrior, you know? I mean, she was my prayer warrior. And um, I miss her all the time, and I miss her in a different way than I miss John, you know? I'm sure. There's that void. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But thank you for asking about that, Beth. Thank you. And thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I want to hear a little more about your child. Okay, yeah. <laughs> about what a day in the life looks like. Well, this week, not. this week I was. Um, see, this is just you never know. <laughs> you never know what you're capable of. And I think I didn't read that quote, but Thomas Edison said, "If we all did the things we're capable of, we would literally astound ourselves." And that I I believe that is so true. So, um, so for me, it, you know, I have pushed myself so far beyond any of any limits that I have felt remotely comfortable with. So I can be dressed up and go and try to connect with developers, and then that afternoon, I've got on work boots and a hard hat and a safety vest, and I'm walking through a job site. So, like this week, I'm in a mud pit at Vestavia West. <laughs> And um, I'm just asking questions, trying not to fall in front of all those men. Um, but, you know, I, but I, one of the stories I remember, I didn't even know how to tighten a hard hat. So one of my first memories on a job site was at the hotel, and I climbed a 20-foot ladder. And the guy showed me how to put my hard hat on, and I thought, well, this is what construction's about. You know, this is what it's all about. I'm getting over my fear of heights. I'm going to act like I can hang with these guys. And uh, so that was kind of my first memory of, of really getting my hands and, get, and feet into a, into a job site. And now I really love that component. I love walking through the mud and... Um, gaining an understanding for how a building is constructed and the equipment that's needed and all the utilities and everything that goes into it. So this week, twice, I've been at Vestavia West, and then next week I'll be down at our UAB police station. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. I, I wear a lot of hats. I mean, you'll see my heels next to muddy work boots and, you know, outside the door. So it's quite a contrast of where the day takes us. But it is amazing to see how God has um, given me what I need to be able to do this job. Because on paper, I don't have it. I certainly don't have it. But when he decides he wants you to do something, he's going to make sure you have all the tools in your toolbox that you need um, to be able to carry out his plan. And what a lovely thing to show your girls. I mean, they're looking at you. I mean, you're like... yeah. Yes, I know, right? I know. And, you know, I'm probably one of the only 
female general contractors of our size in the city. I think there's one who's smaller, and then there's a huge one, a gal that owns a company in South Alabama. So I am a bit of an enigma in this industry, which helps get my foot in the door. (laughs) I'm assuming that, you know, I do believe God goes ahead of you, and you're the project managers on your, Uh your workplace. I'm sure all supported you and yes. all that. And then the contrasting, what kind of gender um, yeah. surprises have you found with working with other people or people that don't know your company as well? Well, most people, um, like subcontractors who may not know me yet, they'll say, now, who are you? Because they don't know why I'm on the job site. <laughs> and the superintendents will go, that's the boss. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. you know. But I will tell you, I have found this industry, the industry is a people-oriented industry in the first place. It's just about building relationships, which I knew when my bonding guy said, Mary, this is a people business. And I thought, well, I can do that. I can talk to people. That's about all I can offer at the table at this point, but I can do that. And I have found the men in this industry to be very receptive, very kind. You know, men love to jump in and help, and I'm, I'm taking it. And there are a couple of other female um, subcontractors who and women at big companies who have come alongside me and been a great encouragement. Um. I don't know if that answered your yeah, question, Meryl, but usually they can't figure out why, why I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I hear them talking, and I don't, you know, in Spanish, and I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> it's probably not good. <laughs> and then I get reprimanded for wearing this and work boots, you know, and they're like, you're not supposed to be wearing that, Mary. You're supposed to be wearing Carhartts and a, <laughs> and a, and a polo. And I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I tried. I tried this week to, to follow orders, but I was like, you know, I'm going to be out there in a dress, and I know it's probably wrong, but it's not like it's a short dress. And I'll be walking the job if that's what I have on that day and I want to see something. I just kind of don't care. Have you found that you are are really interested yes. in walking a lot? Like, yes. How does that work? Well, my, at first, your- oh, absolutely. I mean, my first question was, what is rebar? I mean, like, that's a basic, y'all. <laughs> like, rebar is a basic. And I'm like, can you show me where the rebar is that I've heard y'all talking <laughs> Like, it's everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, that's where I started. And, you know, now I'm looking at drill piers. And, you know, I'm listening to the structural engineer talk about, you know, um, helical piers and what they do. And so I, now I'm learning and understanding more. And that that is fun. You know, I don't get to exercise much, but my brain is on overdrive exercising. I mean, I'm just taking in so much information. So you you have to think, I, I walked into an office a few months after John died, and I said, can I look at the financials? And then my CFO hands me financials, and I'm like, can you walk me through these financials? I mean, I had to start there, learning how to read a financial report mm-hmm. and get a grasp on understanding that, and then on top of trying to, sound somewhat competent and know the vocabulary of things being thrown around on a job site and then on a bid day when you're bidding um the numbers that are coming in and the people who are calling it in so there's just it's a lot to learn it's a very steep learning curve but it's been good it's kept me busy and I think being busy is good for me but I do value those quiet times also 
I'm very thankful for those moments um, when it's just me in the house and I can walk around. So I don't take much for granted anymore. That's for sure. Well, I love driving past your house and the lights are always on. The li- yeah. night, you know, there's ha- you can see there's happiness. Yes, it is. It, God, God has brought... There has been so much goodness in my life. I mean, there's been low moments. Lindsay's seen those firsthand with me. There have been a lot of low moments, and there have been some out there wild moments. But God's provision for our family is undeniable, undeniable, the way he has ministered to us and carried us through a really difficult time and I'm so grateful so now I pray God uses me in other people's lives and and he has with um with other widows you know I showed up at a widow's house sat on her sofa the day after she buried her husband and she said I'm so sorry that you're having to sit here and do this I said no this is this a gift that I can do what someone has done for me I can now do for you and I can give you hope and an encouragement that you're going to make it through Isn't that so powerful that God can use such a broken vessel like this to bring about good? And then the evidence of his goodness is everywhere, you know? The cool thing about this for for me is that, like, all I can think about this is the scripture grace. um, Your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is made perfect perfect in our weakness. And though, I'm going to be honest, I pray I don't have to walk down the road to do it. Yeah. But just think about, like, the things that, like, God calls me to. Like, if Mary Wyatt can make it and do all these things, like, I can do the little things that God's calling me to do. So I, like, love that. God is using this in such a powerful way, despite whether we've had that particular Exactly. I love that. I guess, I don't know if I explained it well, but I guess that's kind of why I wanted to grieve more openly. Yeah. Because I wanted people to know you can make it. Yeah. When the worst thing you can imagine happens, you can make it. Because we are rooted in a deeper place. Yeah. We're, we're not just floating. Have your girls been able to wrap their head around what you've been able to go through but with the with the Lord's peace and what like have they been able to take that from you or and, or have you seen how God's just given it to them I think so I think so they cert- we certainly have our low moments mm-hmm. but uh, children are so resilient yeah. and that's the one thing my pediatrician told me that day I called her she said they're going to be so much more resilient than you are Mary and so that was kind of my saving grace but yes I mean we have had a lot of tough conversations that you don't expect to have with a five and three year old on up now seven and five some heavy stuff that they're having to process but what I tell them is your perspective of life is going to be very different and you're going to be able to help other people in ways that you would never have before. Like, I haven't been able to lean in and help people until now. I probably would have shied away from stepping into such a hard place with someone, which is sad to say. But my fear was so strong. Like, I I think if I helped them, what is something bad going to happen to me? Or I don't want to go there, and it would just send me into a tailspin. And now here I am, so grateful for the people who are willing to lean in and pour into me and not be afraid. But for the girls, I said, I remind them all the time, God's going to use you because you have a story now that's going to be very impactful. Like um, Mary Evelyn's a second grade teacher at Advent, just lost her father. And I said, well, Mary Evelyn, did you tell her that you understand how she's feeling? You've lost your daddy? She's like, you know, I didn't think about that, but I think I'll tell her that, you know? So creating that... um, 
relationship, mm-hmm. you know, that ability to connect with someone where she could not have before. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know. I guess I encourage them that way. I'm really having to work through parenting um, a little bit now because I want to push them to be independent and strong. And I'm like, we, we, you know, we got a lot ahead of us. And then stepping back and saying, okay, God, you're going to, these are, they belong to you, Lord. And you're going to raise them in a beautiful way. And you, you are, and you're filling in the gaps, you know. And so it's not about me trying to make them into what I think they need to be just to survive this broken world. I've had, I have to fight that a little bit and trust that God's got them and he's going to use their story. Mary, I know you kind of mentioned this, this like before this, you were kind of scared to step into someone's story mm-hmm. and grief, I think, kind of intimidates all Yeah. Of what would you think would be like practical hands and feet yeah. about how people kind of loved you through that and your girls? Well, and, pe- and still are, still are. Um, you know, showing up, I mean, just showing up. I mean, for I remember um, my friends would just come and take the children, and and just so that they weren't in the house and I could deal with some tough stuff or have some moments to myself, and they would go and play. And that was the biggest gift for me was having moments alone. Even though it was scary to be alone, um, your good the, my good friends knew when it was time mm-hmm. and when I, I needed that and. Um, so I think just showing up, even now two years later, when my girls go play with a neighbor and I go grocery shopping, <laughs> like, that is the biggest yes. gift. And then I'll go and I'm standing at their front door. I'm like, you don't, I just cleaned out my basement for 30 minutes. Thank you. Like, it's, you know, so just that to me is tangible with people who have children or um, giving that person some relief, mm-hmm. you know. Um and then prayer, I just cannot, dis- I mean, encourage you enough, just the prayer. I mean, people text me all day, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And I never take that for granted. I'm like, I, I want you to know that means the world to me to know that you're praying for me because I feel it. That's the only thing that sustained me. I had round-the-clock prayers. Someone handed me a sheet from our Sunday school class, and it was 15-minute increments mm-hmm. for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Over during the funeral, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd see who's praying for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so prayer, letting them know you're praying, and um, just doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes asking, and I think if y'all followed Cheryl Sandberg at all, you know, sometimes like, what can I do is such a vague question because we don't know the answer. So just say, I'm coming tonight mm-hmm. <laughs> at six o'clock and I'm going to take your children to get a pedicure and then they'll be back by seven and you can put them in bed. You know, just saying I'm going to do something and, and, and do it, not giving them sometimes too much of a choice. I mean, you, you'll know that person, but, um, just prayer, I think. And then being present and walking that road. I don't know if that, that helps. It's hard to step into someone's home. And there's that magnitude of loss going on. Um, Are there any don'ts? Yeah, I just did not. I just like chicken casseroles. Is that a don't? I loved food. You know what is a don't? I'll tell you. A lingering meal drop-off is can be a don't because you're like I just and if you say I'm going to bring your meal at five thirty, you know. Uh-oh. Just get it there. And it's like, here you go. Mm-hmm. I'm out. 
You know, some, unless you can tell that person really wants it. But for me, I'm spent. She was like consoling the pizza man. Yes. I know. It's so true. And she's like, what do I need to do? I know. That's so true. So I think like if you're bringing a meal, just like get it there and drop it off. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm, cu- I'm coming to get your kids in two days. You know, I'm out the door. That Sometimes people would want to just sit down and talk, and you do end up feeling like you don't want them to feel so bad. And you're like, I'm okay, I'm okay, and you're trying to make yourself okay for them. Right. <laughs> so, Deb, I think that's probably a don't. But I didn't, I didn't really experience much of that at all. I was just so thankful for the outpouring of love. Don't park in the middle of Shades Crest Road. Uh, there were a lot of cars parked in the middle of Shades Crest Road. I was more worried about their cars. I'm like, y'all got to like move over. <laughs> but no, I can't. I, I think that's probably the only one. Okay, and I think you need to. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot. I think you need to, since I know you're going to be speaking, because you've done such a good job. And Don't I know say that. But I think it would be really cool, because you always hear that I wear a different hat. But I think you need to bring three pairs of shoes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Heels in your mom's shoes. Yeah, flip flops. Yeah, like, it's usually that. I think you need to be like, this is my life. This is I mean, the transition I, right I, here. I have what shoes I'm going to put on yeah. at that moment. And I don't know, it gives people a visual. Cause it's it, so cute to think of you in your dress and your boots. Um, <laughs> you're like my role model. No. <laughs> well, I just, I feel very blessed. I mean, very blessed to be in this position. And I mean, there are days where I'm like, I don't know why. Like, is this a huge mistake? <laughs> But I know ultimately that this is where the Lord has called me. And so I'm going to just rest in that. And then if he decides to change it, he changes it. Like, that's a lot of freedom. I've never been like this before, <laughs> like ever. But now I'm like, you know what? My life is not my own. And to come to that place after almost 40 years, I mean, and to be able to say, my life is not my own. God, it's wherever you take me. I'm just going to follow you. And my faith is getting out of the bed. I'm living it every day. I might not be able to get in Scripture the way I want to or get to the Bible studies I want to, but I am living out God's faith by just getting out of bed and showing up. Just showing up. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you found Mary's story encouraging. And isn't there freedom in knowing that God meets us where we're at? He's not waiting for us to get our act together or stir up some courage or faith. His Word says that He is close to the brokenhearted. And He gives strength to the weary. And if it takes all we've got just to get out of bed in the morning, that's all He's asking us to do in this moment or this season. So thank you for listening to Storytellers this week. And if you're enjoying the stories, will you consider giving us a rating on iTunes? The ratings determine how much exposure iTunes gives the podcast. And our heart is to reach more people with these stories of hope and God's goodness. So please help us spread the word. And if you want to learn more about Storytellers or to find our show notes, You can visit our website at storytellerslive.org. We hope you'll join us again soon.